And so how'd you get into mindfulness? Like when did you feel like that was something that was worthwhile, something that you wanted to pursue? Back then it didn't have the, the term, I didn't really have the term mindfulness in my vernacular. My story in a nutshell, I was, I had a brain injury when I was a kid, um, had a near death experience, almost didn't make it. And um, because of that experience, I had to find things that helped me get relief, find relief, right? And, I tried the whole traditional route. It didn't work for me. It really kind of exacerbated my situation. So um, I had to find things from the East and the West to kind of help me feel better, to be honest with you, and survive. So it started early on. Um, I guess the gestation of that, I had symptoms from that up until, and I didn't understand, didn't really get it, but things came to a head when I was a teenager. Long story short, I had stress fractures in my feet couldn't play basketball for two years. It was a manifestation of the injury. During that time, I, I was forced into this whole space of Eastern philosophy, meditation, all this crazy stuff. You know, back then they thought it was crazy. Now it's not so crazy. Just to find a solution. Yeah, it was kind of forced up on me and, and I figured out things that helped me feel better. And, and, and once I felt better, I got on the court as a player and was, I realized it helped me improve my game. And then, and then I got into college and I kind of saw that everybody was going through similar things, although different content. Long story short, when I got into coaching, it was all, I knew it was always something I wanted to bring because I saw there was a gap in the, in the market. There's a gap in the player development model with this piece. And um, so I've been doing it ever since. And, and that's kind of my story in a nutshell. I love it. I'm passionate about it. Um, you know, it's, it's not a hobby for me. It's something I had to live and breathe to kind of get through what I was going through. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into it. Like the advice that I've received from different people, it's just different coaches that have been doing it for a while. I'm like, man, I want to get into mindfulness. What can I do? And they're just like, well, you got to go on the process. You're like, you got to do this yourself first before you can start talking about it and teaching it. Um, so I love that. So what would you say to coaches that are just starting um, to be aware of, okay, there's something called mindfulness. Like what are, what are some things that they should do? Yeah. Um, I, and I, I don't want to be uh, uh, too leading because I think there's everybody can get into it in their own way. That's just my way. That's just what happened for me. You don't need to have like, you know, go through a traumatic injury or like, you know, lose a limb to, to be introduced. I don't think you need pain to, to, you know, help you get into st stuff like that. Some people it is, some people, you know, doesn't, that's not their journey, but um, however it may work for you, I just think it's important for coaches to start just absorbing as much as they can and staying open. I think the first thing is if you, if you information, then it's not going to probably resonate, but if you're open, then you're giving it a chance to resonate and you might find some gems. You probably will find some gems for things you can pick and choose and help your players and your team with moving forward. So, um, first thing is just stay open. Um, I know it sounds simple, but that's like the number one thing. And then from there, I mean, there's so many resources now um, uh, from, you know, just naming great. Graham Betchard is an unbelievable resource. He's a guy who's um, been in the space for a minute. He's putting out coaching programs like me, uh, content. Um, he's a great guy. He's a guy I've learned from a lot. Um, I think uh, learning about um, tenets of uh, a couple other guys, Don Cockstein. Uh, Mike Franco, they're with the Dallas Mavericks. They do a great job. Um, these guys are, are, are benchmarks in the industry to kind of learn from and, um, and just kind of watch and observe if you get a chance to see how they're doing it because they've been doing it for so long and they're really good. Now from like um, learning information and in books and stuff like that, I think um, uh, uh, learning about how thoughts and emotions affect the body is so important. 
um, whether it's from the traditional, uh, uh, you know, picking up a psychology book or a sports psychology book or looking more towards the Eastern side where you're looking at how, you know, um, the, the cultures from the East have been doing this for a lot longer than we have. So that's kind of how I got into it. And that's what I kind of lean towards. So any, any information that allows you to um, uh, uh, access a different vantage point from maybe something you, you're not seeing, I think is valuable. So whatever you like, whatever you're drawn to, stay open. And if it resonates with you, my advice is just dive into it. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's the, I think that's the money. That's where we should all start. Like that's, I just, I think we just need to jump in, you know, and we, we can't get too caught up in our process. We just need to, to read and learn. But what would you say, like, if you were going to work with the team, what are some general things that you, like, where would you start? I would want to understand their culture. One, I'll understand uh, what the culture is, uh, what that means, what does culture mean to them? I, I don't really like buzzwords, but I culture and understanding how they are. Every, every microcosm, every team, every organization generally has their, can have their own language, their own way of doing things. That's number one. Number two is so that you can craft your process around it and to integrate within their culture is super important. Number two is understanding what, where their pain points are, like where are they struggling, right? What, what players are struggling? Uh, where the, where's the team struggling? Um, uh, that's really important because like, it's really, it comes down to how are you going to serve and how are you going to help um, facilitate improvement from where they stand now to where they're going to go. So understanding where they're trying to go and what they're struggling with is where their focus is, is number two. Um, and number three is probably, they're all really important, but number three is probably the most important is building rapport and relationships and trust of everybody. And uh, you can say credibility, but it's that, I think that comes with trust and rapport. Um, like you can be the greatest practitioner coach or, you know, in the world at anything, but if, if uh, you can't build trust that they, people don't like you, you're not going to be able to do anything. So that's really important. Those are the top three things that, that I, that I'd like to, and I look at when I get into uh, start working with individuals and teams and organizations is um, what's the culture? What do they need to work on? What are they looking to work on? How can I help? How can I serve? And how can I build relationships in a genuine way where they, they, they see that I'm here to help from there. Once that happens and that's, that's kind of laid then the, then you, then you possibly get the chance to get in and do the work, right? Those are the three most important things right off the bat. It's kind of a, a hot topic, um, at least with the athletes I talk to. They talk about flow state, like they're really interested in flow state. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, man, like how can we do this more consistently? I'm just interested what you think about flow state, how, how players can find it more often, because it seems like they've all experienced it, you know, not as consistent as they'd like to. Yeah, so I think the goal of any meditation, any mindfulness is to be in flow state, to be in flow. I don't, I just call it to be in flow, to be in the higher river, to be in um, uh, the flow of life. We've all been there, be on fire, be in the zone, it's the same thing. That's the goal of life. And the more we can stay there, the more things are gonna open up for us. The higher, the, we get more insight. We can lean on our intuition more. We can, uh, we play better because we're no longer in our head because we're trusting the skills that are already there and trying and stop. We get out of our own way. So that, that's so important. I think that's the main goal of anything that we do from the mindfulness meditation, the mental health side, anything for my, in my opinion. Um, and, and that if, if I can, you know, I think if we can live and flow every minute of our day, we're going to be crushing it, whatever we're doing, crushing it, meaning we're going to be and living life to the fullest. We're going to be very happy, be healthy, very healthy, physically, mentally, emotionally, 
Um, we're going to be at the top of our game. And, and think about what I talked about before is the consistency piece. Think about being in flow. Like we've been had those days where everything's clicking. Well, what if we can have those days more often? Like instead of having a once a month or once in a quarter, we've got them four out of f- three out of five days a week, four to five days a week, or, you know, the majority of our minutes out of those uh, four or five days are in flow. And maybe sometimes we get to five days a week when we're really kind of like locked in and, and uh, um, moving forward with our progression, like our lives going to totally change. Like everything's going to change. Um, so flow is, is the, is the goal. That is the goal. That's everything we're seeking in athletics. I think in everyday life as coaches and as players. So what do we do? Like, where do we start? Like what, what do players do? What, what can just human beings do? How, how do you find flow? Well, I mean, I think mindfulness and meditation helps you is it helps you definitely get there. It's, I don't think, I think people have a misnomer sometimes and they think I'm just going to close my eyes and I'm automatically going to hit this magical state of like, you know, bliss and joy. It's not how it works. Like right. um, it's training, you're training, it's training without training. Like it's like having, uh, having an intention to, to get in flow, but you're not trying to get to flow. Like there's should be no, excuse me, there should be no um, effort. There should be no um, trying in it, but that's the, that's the paradox in it. Like, it sounds crazy to people. Like what, like what the fuck, like how am I supposed to do that? Right? Well, it takes practice, but it's, it, it's not, you don't want to effort. You don't want to really effort. Like that's the thing. And when you get to the point where you can quiet your mind and you get your mind out of the way, you get all your thoughts out of the way, you're able to, uh, flatline your emotions where your emotions can just be neutral or detached then you're training your brain you're training your system to be to be in flow um and, and it can take a long time it can take weeks and take days weeks months years it just depends not to scare people away it just depends but i think the first entree into that is the meditate a, a consistent practice daily to get into med- mindfulness meditation visualization to to train your mind to quiet when you can quiet your mind, you're going to start to access that flow more and more. And once you get a thread, a thread or a feeling or a knowing on what that flow feels like, you're going to be able to recall it and recollect, recollect it and dive into it more and more and more. It's like you're just, it just expands and amplifies. And once you start amplifying that feeling, you're going to be able to take it out of your living room where you sit down and meditate into the boardroom, into the locker room, onto the court. And that's where true mastery comes is, you know, it's great to meditate. It's great to do all this stuff. But if you can't, like, if, if I can't or we can't take it out of the, the boardroom or the locker room uh, into, excuse me, out of the, the living room into real life, the boardroom, the locker room, everything else, then we're like compartmentalizing our life. So we want to integrate everything. So first step is find flow through meditation, through a mindfulness technique, something consistent practice. Once you're beginning to do it there, then begin to walk the walk in real life. So you're not just a Buddha, like sitting, you know, in the living room, meditating. Then when you go into real life, you can't handle it, right? Or something goes nutty. So we got to integrate everything. You know what I mean? Yes, sir, man. Everything matters. We're just, everything, everything just, we're, matters. we're all connected. It's interconnectedness. And man, I'm just all about that. And, and specifically like the words that we say too. Like, I think that's what I'd like to talk to you about is just the importance of our word and, and meaning what we say, saying what we mean. Because essentially, I think with words, we are planting seeds. For athletes, I think, I think we, start, we need to be mindful of what we're saying. Because ultimately, that's going to contribute to our ability to be in this flow state. 
um, being able to operate from a higher level of consciousness. So I'm just interested, have you ever coached athletes on self-talk, some of the conversations that they have with themselves? Yeah. And I coach myself every day because, you know, I'm, I'm not, by no means am I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better and better every day. Uh, so it's a work in progress, right? We all, I'm trying to find the next level for myself. And so I think through coaching, you know, through going through your own process, you help others, right? First thing is you gotta like, we don't, we're so unconscious sometimes. We don't even realize that like all the nasty shit that we've got going on in the, in the recesses of our mind that we end up thinking or speaking and that it, it totally blocks us and sabotages us, right? So first thing is you gotta understand and be aware of what your, your word, your words have power. Like, you know, it starts with a, a thought, goes to emotion, gets, there's a stronger piece of that. And then, and when you begin to speak it, you know, the whole thing about speaking it into existence, which has become a, like a mainstream thing now, has, it's, there's validity to that. You first got to be aware of the words that you're speaking, because we'll just start saying stuff and it's just super negative. And the person we're sitting across might hear us and be like, that doesn't sound great, but we're not even hearing it sometimes. So, um, you got to kind of identify that and catch yourself when you're doing it and say, look, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to change that. And this is how, this is kind of how I share with athletes and offer to athletes a lot of times um, how to change the words that are coming out of their mouth and the programs that are generating the words coming out of their mouth. Right. And then from there you want to uh, it's great to say, like, in my opinion, it's great to be taught positive, but if and speak positive words, but if you're not, changing the negativity coming out of your mind it's mouth and stuff you're thinking it's not going to do anything you have to actually do both at the same time so like being aware of the stuff and the negativity that you may have been encountered with in the past changing that stuff and basically just saying i'm not doing it anymore and just allowing that pattern to go away and dissolve and, and uh, clear simultaneously to that you then this is when positive self-talk or affirmations or mantras work is you begin to you would want to take the exact opposite of whatever negative pattern you're dealing with and you begin to reinforce it with something positive. So if, you know, for example, if I'm a player on the court and man, I always fail in the big moment. Like I always just fall flat on my face. Like I've done it so many times, like, you know, that's the running old program. You begin to be aware of that and see it when it comes up when, you know, and let that go. And the converse of that would be, man, I always succeed. Like I'm a, I'm a killer in the big moment. Like I'm, I've always been a, you know, I always succeed. I always do awesome. Um, I always, I'm the best player, you know, on my team, uh, empowering statements then work. But if you just say empowering statements with all this clutter going on, they're going to nullify each other, not going to do anything. So you got to have both hand in hand. I think that's, I think that's key. I, man, I mean, I've heard it so many different times from the athletes, just like they'll say, uh, man, I can't shoot it, you know, or I'm not a good shooter. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, I guess, what I should do, like what role I should play. Like a lot of times I'll just say like, Hey, I just heard you saying this today. Um, like that's bull. Like you yep. can shoot it, man. You can do this and, 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 and almost pump their tires a little bit. Um, you know, especially if they're in such a low level of consciousness, but I'm just interested, like for coaches that are, are seeing this go on, what, what steps should they take? Um, I think you, I think you need to catch the player in the moment. Like you have to dress it right away and, and try and I, I would, I don't, partake to being super negative with players like I don't like that's just not the way I address players but I I think it's very important to be super direct and very assertive with players um, so you can be assertive and direct without being negative right um, uh, but you got to catch them in the moment so if someone's doing their shit again they get into their shit where they're like ah, I suck or whatever 
you'd call them on it be like, yo man, like stop. And you, and you can't just say stop in the moment. You're going to have to have a, a understand that that coaching is going to come like that's coaching. They're going to get that feedback in the moment and to expect it. Cause so if someone goes like a player goes through that, you know, that self-defeating behavior again, and you talk to them in the moment and you haven't had the conversations to say, look, and, and had the buy-in on the player's part to say, look, we're going to be a partnership. It's not just me coaching you. Then they're probably going to just like, you know, tell you to go get lost. But if you do have that partnership, it really is a partnership these days, players and coaches more than it's ever been, then they're going to be like, you're right. Or they're going to, they might not say you're right, but the, in the moment they might still be angry, but they're going to, it's going to sink in a little bit more than it would have. And they're going to start to make the changes. So first thing coaches can do is have the conversations with players, get the buy-in on the same page. Second thing they can do is in the moment when they see their players going through those old bad habits, address it. And, and a lot of times you're not addressing it in front of the team. You're just addressing it to the player. You know what's going on. They know what's going on. The whole team doesn't need to know. Sometimes you do address it in front of the whole team. You just got to know your players, right? Um, but those are the first two things. Um, the, other, the third thing is when you address the player, it's generally good to have um, – a predetermined, you want to call a positive statement, um, positive self-talk, whatever you want to call it, something to talk, because you can tell someone to stop doing something, but what does that mean to them? Where do they go from there? You need to give them an action step to go somewhere else. So like, for example, if a guy, as we took our last example, you're, on the, you're a coach, player's playing, you've had the conversation, they know the coaching's coming if they get into their old stuff, or if they fail, they're like, ah, oh, I can never do this or whatever. Then you'd be like, yo, man, go to your... Uh, Go to your statement, uh, uh, hit your uh, positive affirmation, go straight to that, you know, take your three, five deep breaths, whatever it is, send them to an action step and let them transition out of their old programming into their new programming. And that's how you, you change that behavior. You begin to change the behavior. Oh man, I love that. I mean, just the, the, the importance of doing the pre-work, you know, um, that's what it's all about because especially when players have a hard time with, I guess, emotional regulation, you know, and even yep. let's say we're not even addressing emotional regulation, you know, um, we're just trying to coach the player on something technical and tactical. Yeah. Like if they're fully caught in their emotions and they're not thinking rationally and they don't have a calm mind, how are they going to take in any type of coaching or any information? You're, and I just, right. dude, I just, it blows my mind when I just don't see coaches really spending the time on helping that player. Cause I know for me, it's, it's been so cool. Our head coach throws us in, throws me into the scrimmages and then I'm just trying to play. I don't know what I'm doing sometimes because I haven't like played with this group or whatever. Yeah. And I'm starting to feel those emotions coming up. Um, and at the same time, coaches, coaches trying to coach me from the sideline. Yeah. I'm just like, ah, like, dude, I haven't worked on this skill. So I feel for players, but it, let's say you have like very specific things with some of these players. Um, let's say like it's an emotional regulation problem. Like generally how, how I'm just interested how you form like a strategic plan. Like you talked about building the relationship. Um, what does that look like? Like for like a, a player development plan for a player who's working on a, a specific mental skill. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. So um, you want to put together a process you want to map out, as we talked about from the beginning, map out things they want to work on and then, and then put a duration on it for we're going to go for this long. You got to get your buy-in in that, you know, you want your buy-in from the player. It's really important. Um, that's the most important thing. Like 
and you have to get, it's not just a one-time thing. Like someone can buy in before you work. And then we talked about three weeks later, they buy out and you're, or, you know, and they're not committed and you're like, so it's gotta be an ongoing thing like every day. Um, and that takes work. That takes relationship building, continual relationship building. Um, and then from there, um, you're going to want to uh, implement different types of uh, methods that allow that player to get out of their own way um, and really truly unlock their mind uh, uh, to improve not only their mental skills, but also their KPIs. KPIs meaning um, key performance indicators. So basketball, we know what those are, right? As an individual level of player, you're talking about shooting percentage, all the normal stats we, we track on the offensive end, efficiencies, um, analytics on a more macro player grade sort of deal. Defensively, you're looking at, it's defensively obviously is a little bit harder, um, but you know, rebounding, steals is not a great metric. You can use steals, you know, scored ons, stuff that's a little bit more uh, niche to each program and more analytically based. Um, and, and the goal, in my opinion for, you know, there's a split school in, in, in mental performance and psychology and um, that you shouldn't track. You shouldn't track on someone's improvement, right? It, it, like it's a weird, it's kind of a weird paradigm thing, right? Like you can't claim that the mind helps improve performance. That's kind of like a taboo in some, for some people, right? I've never partaked of that. I, I don't think, I don't believe in that, to be honest with you, because for me, if, if when I was coming up, if I didn't have something that was results-based, like I wasn't getting the relief in the day that I needed to feel better. And I might not have been around, to be honest with you. And now, so as we get into players, I take the same approach, like, and coaches and general managers and decision makers. It's great to come in and do uh, mental performance and mindfulness, but if it's not moving the dial for a player or a team, how long do you think that, that coach is going to be around? Not that long. So I really think you need to tie it back to, to like, progress. Like, this is, this is where they started. This is where they're going. And these are the things that improved. And over this duration, this is how we did it. And this is what they still need to improve on, but this is how we're going to get there. That's how, that's what you think. In order to move this field forward and really grow it in a way that uh, is going to be more, more integrated, uh, like a strength and, strength and conditioning coach, like a, um, you know, a, a, a coach that's in, more, in, that's been more ingrained within the coaching system. I think that needs to happen. Not in a, like a, you know, look at me, like we're doing the work sort of deal, but, just in a measurable way where this stuff works, you know? So that's part of how you would set up going into a, working with a player and a team. And these are all the, in, some of the inputs you're looking at as you, as you do that. Yeah, I think, Jake, I think, I think it goes back to what we were saying um, in the beginning in terms of trying to make mindfulness cool. Like yeah. results are cool. <laughs> Players want to see their, their shooting percent. You know why? Because, you got a guy, and this has happened time and time again. You've got a college kid who's a senior or a junior. You've got a first or second year pro, wherever they are. Their shooting percentages go up 10%, or their three point percentage goes up from 35 to 43. Their free throw percentage goes up from 50 to 55 to 85. These are real numbers that have happened. What do you think is going to happen the next year? Their chance to make more money goes up. They're, they've made more money the next year. We've had guys that have. Uh, improve different percentages in the next year they make you know 30 percent 40 percent 50 percent more money because they crushed it the year before so that's why this why is cool is because it's going to get you paid it's going to get you paid if you do the work you're open to it you take the steps just like working on your player development on the court 
uh, uh, just the skill sets on the court, um, that will get you paid if you, you improve, right? And, and really take you to the next step, even if you're not a pro. Um, uh, so will mindfulness and mental training. That's why it is cool. It gets you better, right? Yeah, I think it's, man, I, I think the one thing that kind of hurts mindfulness is people have tried, let's say to meditate and they've kind of given in early and they're like, Oh, like that doesn't work for me. And they tell themselves a story and they build it up. And sometimes they're communicating that to other people. You know, and I, there was a couple of coaches that I worked with and I was just starting to get into meditation. And I just remember telling them, Hey man, like this has been really cool for me, but it takes time. Like it takes time to build these skills like anything else. And I think we need to give, mindfulness we need to give it that time just like anything else but for some reason man people i just find with mindfulness specifically they just want to give in like they just want to like they just don't i mean maybe that's everything but it just it just seems like they want to give in sooner than than later um when they go up when they go out in their own path and they're just trying meditation and like i mentioned they they create those stories and narratives about mindfulness does that does that align or does that yeah no absolutely i think i think that's why it's so important to provide structure context results and small wins if you can get like that that's for like you know that's why whether it's a coach a gm just someone who's just looking to onboard into mindfulness or mental performance to see if if it can help them a small win like see if it helps like does it help is really the question and how do you how do you quantify that? How can you tell it helps? Yeah. Um, you know the small wins part. I think like it, say say it's just doesn't matter who they try mindfulness or meditation. Like how are you going to measure that it helps? Like because a lot of times you go into one you're in one conscious state and you come out in another, right? And you're not even aware you shifted. Like that happens a lot, right? Where you're you, you don't feel good, then you feel good, but you don't realize you feel a lot better. Like that does happen. So how do you know that you got better? Like you gotta, it's almost like you gotta kind of like hold yourself accountable and people aren't gonna, people aren't gonna do that unless you ask them to do it. So it comes down to small wins for people to realize. Uh, like for example, when I'm working with a player, the first thing, the most, really one of the most important things is um, I wanna have that player feel that they feel different that they can actually identify they feel different or something has changed or they, they've improved in some way. Then you, then they're identifying this works to some small degree potentially. And so that like, so after we get done with something, um, they're probably not even like, they're just come out of it and they're, you know, they don't, whatever they're thinking or whatever they're feeling, sometimes they're like, Oh, I feel better. But usually you're going to have to be like, what's, you know, what's the difference you were here 15 minutes ago you're now here, what has changed? So they're gonna have to, then, they, then, then them going through that process of, um, it's almost like a reconciliation of their mental and emotional state. They're going, oh, oh, okay, that's changed. That's, there's an uptick, there's an uptick in this, this, this or this. And that, that's, that's how it sticks. But if you go into something arbitrarily and um, you're just like, you expect, you have expectations about it, like it's gonna change your life in 15 minutes, which it probably won't um like anything else um uh, uh, or you're not really taking uh self-reflection on if anything changed then you probably won't stick with it so there needs to be stickiness that's it what you said it's it's acknowledging those small wins because so often it's like 
I talk to some different players and if they don't have their major goals achieved that to, to them, that's how they've defined progress. Yeah. You know, not going back and saying, Hey dude, acknowledge that you've already, you're starting, you're starting to take steps here. Um, cause sometimes that can be the most powerful thing other than just this. Cause you get to that goal and you're just like, man, like that's cool. But look at the transformation, look at the journey I've been on. That's even cooler than, than the goal itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, um, you know, not that I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I, I just think younger guys, um, there's a level of maturity that it takes to get to a point where you realize that, you know, you're not, it's not all about like, you're not, you lift weights one time. You don't expect to be, you know, uh, Dwight Howard. Um, it's the same thing with this, this work. Like you're not, it's pro it's, there's process and consistency to it and you have to love the process. You've got to love the consistency. You've got to love the grind. Like the grind and the consistency is what's going to get you from A to B to C to D and on, on down the road. But um, if you're like short, I want to say short sighted, but if you're just looking for a quick, like a, a quick, I know I used win before, but if you're looking for a quick win, just to like, you know, I'm going to just do this for 15, 20 minutes and I expect this to happen. Good luck. It's not going to happen. Probably you're going to have to put process to it. Yeah. And, and the one thing I love that you said, I mean, you didn't use these words, but I think it aligns like having a specific intention or having a purpose behind what you're doing um, feeds into that fire in the belly, you know, like, yes, man, there's just been so many times like with our athletes that we've just started to set an intention with our workout. Like, what do you want to get better at today? Like, what are we yeah. trying to do here? And when they do that and, they, and they're really focused with their intention, it just, man, it just seems like everything starts to open up. And it's just a really cool thing. So I just appreciate um, that you've talked so much about structure and, and how important that is. Um, and just understanding, you know, where are we taking this? Just acknowledging that. Because sometimes we just jump into things and we're just like, oh, man, like, <laughs> you know, I mean, that was cool. But what are we doing? <laughs> I mean, I think it's important because, to be honest with you, psychology, yeah. sports psychology, psychiatry in sports has been stigmatized for years, right? So like people don't know what it is. People, it's nebulous. How is this gonna improve my jump shot, right? So there's a lot of, there's some barriers to entry. There's some stuff you have to manage around. Um, and if you just throw stuff out there, like it just against the wall for players and coaches and think it's gonna stick, it's probably not gonna stick unless they're super like open and they're you know, super open then they already get it, which it's happening, but it hasn't been that way in the past. So connecting the dots for people and providing structure, that's how you would do it in any, any other process. You got to provide like process, meaning um, uh, the way you go through uh, your sets, like there's process to what you're doing. There's a progression in, you know, your, your secondary and first transition sets. Like there's process to this. This is how we do it. Generally, this is how we do it in practice. This is how we're going to do it in the game. Like same thing with, with anything training the mind to improve your game. It's the same thing. You can't just, there's got to be structure for people. People need structure. Like people need to have context and constructs for how to really implement this stuff and understand it to, to see that it works for them, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I got one last question for you. And I know you've talked about a lot of like different challenges, um, but I'm just interested if, if there is a specific challenge that's come up consistently for you that you've had to work through as a coach in your current role? Like what's something that you could share that maybe that you've, you've learned 
through, you know, a, you know, a challenge that you've had to go through as, as a coach? I think an ongoing challenge is education around this work. It's like always there's constant education. Like you're always educating. Uh, not that like I know everything. I don't know everything, but I know that this stuff works. Um, uh, and when you get into new situations or you're working with new players, you're, um, you're trying to show if you know this can solve this this work can solve um, uh, uh, this problem in this team setting. Not everybody knows that. You're going to have to share and educate and say, look, well, I, I think this might be a solution to this. And it might be a new way for uh, uh, coming around and solving that problem or adding value to the problem. But in that, there's a challenge because you're going to have to communicate to people that um, might not have the same vantage point or, or the same uh, uh, background as you. So you're, you're kind of have you're, you're going to have to educate and, and, and provide some context for that. So that's always a challenge, like, cause you're always interfacing with different people and deep people have different opinions and sports like most high, uh, high performing industries are very, is very competitive. Um, so uh, uh, you, you've got, if you've got an opening, you got to hit it and you got to do so in a way that's, that's uh, uh, you can educate, you can be humble and, but also show value so you can get in and do the work. So, that's always a challenge is no matter where you're going is to, is to provide a, um, a clear solution to a problem or an area that, that, that could be improved upon. Honey. Well, you're the man, Jake. Thanks for coming yeah. on. Man. I appreciate yeah. it. I'm humbled. I'm grateful, man. I, I appreciate you doing great stuff. I love what you're doing. And, and uh, this has been a blast. Thanks so much. <laughs>